I heard it first here at North River, and just sitting back there, I, I love this church. <laughs> I love being here with you guys. You never know who you're going to see, uh, you know, nowadays in service because of the limited number. But today, we have for the first time at church, Mr. and Mrs. Bob Keen. So excited for you guys. It's amazing. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody, and um, I, hope, I hope you had a good, safe celebration. Uh, we were over at Toya's brother's house you know, with her intimate family, and her brother is a professional chef, so you know we ate good, <laughs> and the, man, those ribs were falling off the bone. It was, it was amazing, but I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Today, we're going to continue in our series on the joy of giving. So while we're going to be talking a lot about joy, you know what that means, though. Today, we're talking about money. Aren't you excited (laughs) to talk about finances? And, you know, the truth is, is that the world has a lot of voices that tell us how to spend our money. We just came off of Black Friday. Tomorrow is Cyber Monday. You know, they're saying that America's going to spend like half a trillion dollars this Black Friday season. And so there's all these voices, but I know you're here today because you don't want to know what the world says about how you should spend your money, but you want to know how God says you should spend your money. So in our final series, our final lesson on the joy of giving today, we're going to be talking about the joy of giving and specifically building a conviction. And, and we're going to be talking about giving financially to the church. Now, I know that as soon as I say that, giving financially to the church, there's some of us that a red flag immediately goes up. Walls immediately go up. And and why is that? Well, it's because money, we hold it so near and dear to our hearts. Where our treasure goes, there our hearts go also, says Jesus. And there's so much pain or suffering or fear when it comes to me and my money. And yet... God wants us to have an incredible relationship with him. And part of that is by how we give financially. You know, honestly, over the last several days, while I'm usually extremely confident to preach God's word, I I got nervous about this lesson. I got like a little, like, I am going to talk about building a conviction conviction on building, uh, giving financially to church and I work for the church. And I honestly, I had to call a few, of, a few of my close brother friends to get some confidence, to get some encouragement. And they, they encouraged me they, that, Jordan, but this isn't your words. These are God's words. And, and at the end of the day, and I actually my, my brother, Jonathan, encouraged me this. He said, well, why don't you just use more scriptures than you ever usually do? to make sure we're going to what the Bible says and that while, while us as speakers always want to preach God's word, that we just get oversaturated, maybe not overwhelmed, but oversaturated with God's word today. Amen? So what we're going to do is we're going to look at a breadth, a breadth of scripture. And we're going to go, we're going to start in the Old Testament and we're going to go all the way through the New Testament, hopefully so that you can see how this was always a part of the amazing relationship with Jesus, an amazing relationship with God. So we are going to start in the Old Testament and I'm calling this training wheels because the Old Testament is a shadow of the things to come. 
And, and in the Old Testament, there was a rigorous system, and it's kind of like training wheels. They couldn't go up full speed because, of course, giving in the Old Testament was all about tithing. And so we're going to look at tithing together today. And so what I'm going to do is in the Old Testament, I'm going to ask three questions, and I'm going to ask those same three questions in the New Testament. And so if I was a Jew in the Old Testament, these might be some questions you'd ask yourself. One, should I give to the priests? That was the church back then. Two, how much should I give? And three, why should I give? And as I already mentioned, today is gonna, we're going to look at a lot of scriptures. It's going to be uh, more of a teaching, of course, and I'm going to preach God's word also, but it's going to be more a teaching, hopefully, to understand this. For some of us, this will be a, a healthy reminder and a call to remember. For others of us, this will be the first time you're digging into some of these scriptures, and I hope that you take this as the word of God. Amen? So let's dive in. If I was a Jew in the Old Testament, should I give to the priests? We're going to look at three of the four first teachings on tithing in the Old Testament. Here's one of them in Numbers 18. In verse 21, the Bible says, I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving at the tent of meeting. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Levites and say to them, when you receive from the Israelites the tithe I give you as your inheritance, you must present a tenth of that tithe as the Lord's offering. From these tithes, you must give the Lord's portion to Aaron the priest. And so we see here that God set it up so the Israelites would give a tenth, a tithe to the Levites, one of the tribes of Israel, because the Levites took care of the tenth of meeting. And out of that tithe that the Levites lived off of, there was another tithe. It was a tithe of the tithe, where the Levites would then give a tithe to the priests. So should I give to the priests? Well, yes, you should give to the Levites. And out of that, it would be, the, been, be then given to the family of Aaron, the, the priests from there. Number two, how much should I give? You know, it's interesting in Deuteronomy 14, the word tithe is literally translated as tenth. Tithe, and, tithe literally means tenth, and so in the NIV, it says, be sure to give a tenth of all that all your fields uh, produce each year. So you give a tenth, but a tenth of what? It actually wasn't a tenth of your finances. In, Levit in Leviticus, we see specifically a tithe of everything from the land, whether the grain from the soil or the fruit of the trees, this all belongs to the Lord. And not just the grain from the land, but the herd of the land, every tithe of the herd and the flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod. So it wasn't just a tithe of everything you owned. It was specifically God had brought them into the promised land and given them this land, and he bore the fruit from the land with the rain and the sun and all, so on and so forth. So out of that abundance, you would give out of your livestock and crops a tenth specifically back. So how much did you give a tenth of things from the land. You guys following me? And number three, and most importantly, why? Why were they required in the training wheels of the Old Testament to give a tenth? Well, number one, if we go back to Numbers 18, a verse earlier, in verse 20, the Lord said to Aaron, you will have no inheritance in their land, nor will you have any share among them. I am your share and in your inheritance among the Israelites. I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel 
as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving the tents of meeting. So God, of course, took the Israelites through the desert out of Egypt, and there was 12 tribes of Israel. There's half tribes. We're not going to go into that. And then once they came finally into this promised land, God gave each one of them an allotment of land so they could take their tribe and have land, the land flowing of milk and honey. And he gave all of them land except one, the Levites. And so the Levites, they didn't have land to work to produce crops to eat or a herd to eat and so on and so forth. Because, and, but they did have a few towns and they were mostly towns of refuge. And so they didn't have land and they were using their time to serve at the tent of meeting or eventually the, the tabernacle or the temple. And, and they worked there at the altar. But, and so why would the Israelites give? Well, it's to create a family of equality. It was a family that started to resonate in them that the people that give to us spiritually, we materially give back to them. And out of that, we have equality in this family of Israel. And number two, why should you give? Back in Leviticus, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit of the trees, belongs to the Lord. And it is holy to the Lord. And you might go, well, wait a second, don't we, isn't everything belong to the Lord? I mean, we know from 1 Corinthians 6, you were bought at a price. Like, well, yes, but remember, this was the training wheels. God was just giving them the Torah. God was just giving them the law. And it might have been too hard for them to understand that all of them and everything belonged to them. But what they could understand was a tenth of what I had belonged to God. And so out of that, they were starting to learn these principles and starting to learn the, these convictions in the Old Testament. And so if we did a little review, if I was a Jew in the Old Testament, should I give to the priests? Well, yes, you give to the Levites, and from that giving, they give it to the priests. Number two, how much should I give a tithe or a tenth of the agriculture and the livestock? Of the livestock? It's a tenth. And number three, why should I give? Well, to provide for those who minister and work in the tent of meeting or at the temple. And, and ultimately, Why? because it was a part of their relationship with God and their obedience to God. That in the Old Testament, this was how they started to learn that they belonged to God. This was how they started to learn that we are his and he is ours. He gave us this incredible land flowing with milk and honey, and out of that, we give back. It's a give, give, incredible, loving relationship that we have with him. Yes, tithing was a giant part of their relationship with God. You guys following me? So it's a little bit more of a teaching. We're not doing expository jumping into one, but I hope you can see a breath. I wanted to run through the Old Testament to set a foundation, but now we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at the New Testament. And if the Old Testament was training wheels, the New Testament is mountain biking. Man, we're going full speed. We're jumping. We're going through the mountains. I mean, the training wheels are off. And we can start to learn the, you know, the heart, the true heart of the matter and to build incredible convictions based off of Jesus and not the Old Testament law. So let's look at giving in the New Testament. We're going to ask these same three questions. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, one, should I give to the church? Two, how much should I give? And three, why should I give? And I did want to pause for a second because there's so many other scriptures about other places to give financially. You know, I, you see in the New Testament and the Old that giving to your family actually takes precedent over giving to the church. I mean, taking care of your kids first or your, the widows in your family. Second, 
you know, you have the church, but then there's also so many, so much teaching in scripture about giving to the poor. And that is so incredibly important. And we're not, we're not going to look at those passages today for time's sake. And the reason for it is, is we're going to do a whole series in the new year on giving to the poor and on building a conviction to give to the poor. We want to do that justice and spend a lot of time there. So today we're focusing specifically on passages and the, the principles and the convictions on giving financially to the church. Amen? All right, so here we go. Buckle up, put your helmets on. We're about to look at a lot of scriptures. So what I would encourage you to do is to take out something, write all these scriptures down. Go back over, read them for yourself. Look at the, the, the context for yourself and pray and wrestle with them and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you to a conviction on these passages. But let's start here. Should I give to the church? Let's start with Jesus. In Matthew 10 and Luke 10, Jesus sends out the 12 to go preach and to go minister. And this is what the instructions he gives to them. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. And then in Luke, he, he says, when you find a town, find a place that's willing to house you. And when you're at that house, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages. And so Jesus, as he's sending out the 12 to go minister, he says they, they, these ministers deserve their wages. And Paul, referencing the same thing, he extrapolates more in 1 Corinthians 9. And while Paul uh, actually doesn't, he supports himself financially, he doesn't get financially supported from the church. However, he, we can learn from 1 Corinthians 9 and some of his other teachings of what the standard was in the New Testament church. So in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, Whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? A little bit later down, he says, don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple, like we were just reading? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. And so Paul's kind of extrapolation from Jesus' teachings on the, the worker deserves his keep, he says it plainly and simply, yes, we should give to the church. We should give to the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should give financially to those who spiritually give to us. So yes, we should give to the church. And at North River, I know I'm speaking to us disciples at North River, most of our weekly giving goes directly to the staffing. Most of our weekly giving goes to the ministers, evangelists, the community leaders, so on and so forth. And, but while we should give to the church, there, there is something that oftentimes comes up. Well, what if I don't agree with where the church spends my money? I know, I know some of you have thought that. That was dead silence a second ago. <laughs> but here's the thing, guys. We're going to touch the touchy subjects today, okay? We're going there. So let's just talk about it for a second, all right? We can't talk about it in depth. Let's talk about it for a second. What do I do when I don't agree with where, of, of the church's money allocation? What can we learn from the New Testament? What can we learn from the first century church in the book of Acts? Let's look in Acts 4, verse 33. 
And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. So we start to see here an example of what a, a, great, a powerfully grace-filled family looks like of sacrificial giving that's given to the church leaders and there's a trust in the family that then distribute it to the needs that you might not be aware of personally. And we see that continued in Ephesians 4. So Christ himself gave the apostles. So I'll pause. It's very important to remember, this is not a man-made organization. This is the church of Christ. And it's Christ himself who gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, which can also be translated as elders, and teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So God has placed the leaders of the church where they are to take care of all the different needs and to build up the church as a whole so that we can all reach maturity. But what if I don't agree with? Well, there has to be a trust that the leaders must see a need that you don't know of. The leaders must see something and know of another place of, yet there has to be a trust that they're doing whatever they can to build up the church in the ways that they can see, even if you don't see it. So sometimes the money's not going to go to directly help you because it's going to help another need. Other times it's going to go help you in your life stage or whatever it is, because then, but then those people might not seem otherwise. And guys, the truth is, is that I've heard things like that. Well, why do we have so much staff or we don't have enough staff? Why do we still give to the swamp? Why, why don't we give more to missions? Why do we build a lighthouse or I love the lighthouse? There's so many different questions out there. But at the end of the day, do we truly believe maturity in Christ is giving when we agree and, don't, and not giving when we don't agree? Is that what maturity as a family in the body of Christ looks like? It, it has to be a trust where, that we're family and that we're working at this together. Will there be mistakes along the way? Man, of course, we're human. But we can be filled with a love and a trust in the family of Christ. And what I want to do here, I know there's so much we could talk about this. What I want to do is to open the door. And if you're one of those people that has a question and you hesitate giving because you don't agree, talk to somebody about this. Talk to me. Talk to one of the elders or evangelists. Talk to your community leader and get help. Don't let Satan get a foothold. Amen? All right. So let's keep going. I got more scriptures for you. We're supposed to be people of the word, right? So we're going to look at some more Bible. Second question. Well, how much should I give? And am I still required to give a tenth of all I have? Is the tithe still required in the New Testament? Let's see what we can learn in 1 Corinthians 16. Paul says, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Now, the context of this passage, this is, Paul's not referencing for the church in Corinth to give to their local congregation. The, 
the church in Judea had gone through a famine, so Paul was taking a collection for all the surrounding churches to give to those that were needy in the church in Judea, which would have included the ministers and the apostles there, but also all the other Jewish Christians. However, we see a principle where instead of giving a tenth, it's each one of you set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. And also, he doesn't say, in, in addition to your tithe that you give to your local congregation, give this. You think he would have mentioned that? Continuing in 2 Corinthians 9, remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This passage we go to all the time, a lot of times we focus on the second half of verse 7. That, man, it's not under compulsion, it's from a cheerful heart, and praise God for that. But the first part gives us another insight into New Testament standards. He doesn't say to tithe or to give 10%. He says to decide in your heart how much you can give. And I want to clearly state this. Tithing is not required in the New Testament church. It's not required. It's only mentioned in the New Testament five times. It's never commanded. It's, and it's referenced a lot of times to the Pharisees that are already giving and that kind of thing. And it's also never not commanded. So there's some great, there's understandably some gray area there. However, we can see from scriptures like this that no, there's not a required standard. The 10% tithe was just training wheels. It was when they didn't know how to do it yet. But instead now there's different principles that are supposed to guide us. But there's, there's a beauty in the freedom of this. Because I know, guys, I know I'm talking about this during COVID. And some of us are going through a very challenging time right now. And for some of you out there that have gotten hit financially very hard, or even maybe you're just in a tough spot in general, maybe you're a single mom or a single dad, if you gave consistently 10%, and you, you, you required yourself to do that, you might not be able to feed your kids. You should not feel guilty under the New Testament promise if you cannot give 10% right now. You decide in your heart based off of your income. However, in, middle, in, in, in America with middle class and upper middle class that a lot of our church is a part of, you could give 20%, 30%. 40% and still live comfortably and still take care of your family in an amazing way, giving a, a, a large percentage of your income to church. We have to wrestle with these things. And some of us don't like this. Like, well, can't you just tell me exactly how much to give and then I can just do it and I can know if I'm a good Christian or not, right? But then what does that turn us into? A robot. Okay, I'm not good at dancing. But it turns us into a robot. It's the, it's the training wheels. We don't have training wheels anymore. Instead, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. Instead, we have the principles of Jesus to teach us. And so in the New Testament, it's a lot more the why we give has a lot more to do with how much we give. So even here, generosity is all over verse 6. 
We're, well, how much do I give? Well, how much is generous for you to give? And, and, and trusting in God to take care of you abundantly is all over verse eight. Well, how much do I give? Well, how much would it look like for you to trust God? Let's continue with that, talking about number three, why do we give? Why should we give as disciples of Jesus? It has to come back to fixing our eyes on Christ. In 2 Corinthians 8, Paul says, but since you excel in everything, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Why? Why should I excel in my grace of giving? Why should I work at it, not just to do it moderately, but to excel in it? Because your eyes are set on Jesus. For you know, in verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus had everything. I mean, in heaven for all eternity, he was up there with all the abundance and the wealth and the glory of heaven. And yet he gave up all of that to become a man. And not only a man, but to die on the cross. And he, he became the poorest of the poor so that we could have the richness of his grace, so that we could have the richness of his forgiveness, so that we could have the richness of his love. And out of that, we respond out of pure gratitude for what Jesus has given to us. Amen? And it's something we all have to evaluate in our hearts. How much should you give? We should all ask ourselves this. In view of Jesus's grace, generosity, and sacrifice, we should all ask ourselves, is my giving to church generous right now? And we should also ask ourselves, is our giving to church sacrificial right now? And wrestle with that and pray with the Holy Spirit to figure out where God leads you to give. Amen? Let's continue. Last passage. I won't read it for time's sake. In 2 Corinthians 9, we see more motivations, right? Where the, the, the highlighted verses, that it supplies the needs of the people, supplies the needs of the ministers that like we looked at earlier, but then it also supplies the needs of other people that the church is helping. I mean, it's, it, why do we do it? Because it's an expression of thanks to God. Why else do we do it? It's part of our worship, part of our relationship with God. This amounts into praise to God as part of your obedience for the good confession of your faith. That this is a deep, intimate part of our relationship with God. So, so let's sum this up and close out. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, should I give to the church? Yes, we should. Jesus himself commanded it. Number two, well, how much should I give? Am I still under the tithe? No. Yeah, okay. If, well, can I just start there as a base because it's an easy number? Sure. If you want to do that, go ahead. But we are not required in the New Testament to do that. Instead, generously and sacrificially decide how much to give in our hearts. And number three, well, why should I give generously? First and foremost, in response to Christ generously becoming poor for me. Number two, to provide for those who minister and for the advancement of, of the gospel, whether it's the missions here in Atlanta or missions all around the world. And number three, and, and the most important, because it's part of our relationship with God. 
It's part of our obedience to God. In my marriage with Toya, if we never talked about our budget and we didn't agree on our budget and we didn't work through that in our budget, that would not be healthy for our marriage. The same thing with God. It's part of our walks with God to wrestle with this, to analyze, to evaluate our hearts and to walk step in step with the Spirit to figure out where he's leading us financially. It's a deep, deep part of our relationship with God. And guys, I know we're talking about all this during 2020. And 2020 has been terrible. I mean, I don't know about you, I cannot wait for about a month from now when 2020 is over and I can never ever think about it again, right? It's been a hard year. And in response to all the difficult things that have gone on, the church has responded. And what I've appreciated about what we've done here at North River over the last year is that there previously had been several taboo topics that you weren't supposed to talk about very much, or you just whispered about it here and there, but you didn't really talk about. And so when racism spurned up in the beginning of the summer, what did we do as disciples of Jesus? We united in Christ, in the justice of Christ. And then when politics came up, you know, over the last several months and still today, what, did we, what have we talked about? We've talked about allegiance to Jesus Christ. And then now today with money, we've talked about the generosity of Christ. And I want to, today, today money is no longer a taboo subject in our church. It's no longer a taboo subject. If Jesus could talk about it this much and if Jesus had convictions, then we gotta figure out how to talk about it. There's, there's a lot of uncomfortable things that we talk about as disciples. I mean, sexual purity? How's your marriage going? How's dating going? I mean, evangelism? I mean, but because we see these things in the scriptures, because our Lord and Savior talked about them and we decide to follow him and we walk step in step with the Spirit, he leads us to a conviction and then we have great conversations about it. If we do not do this with money, then Satan will get a foothold. We have to be able to talk about these things. And no, we're not about to start saying, you know, the whole pressuring each other into giving a certain amount or let me whip out the checkbook. Well, last year, Bob, you said you'd give this much. Are you gonna give this much this year? You know, we're not gonna do that. But what we can do and say, hey, how's your heart of generosity going, doing? What are your favorite scriptures about sacrificing for Christ? What are, what are the hindrances right now that are holding you back from giving sacrificially? We can have edifying, loving conversations with one another to really dive in and to grow into this amazing relationship with God and how our walks with God affect our finances. And why do we do all this? was because he was rich. Even though he was rich, he became poor so that through his poverty, we could be rich. Amen? So I'm gonna pray for our communion. This is the time to take the bread and the wine. I'll pray for that as we go and remember how much Jesus gave up for us. Let's pray. Father God, we will never be able to fathom how much you gave up for us. We'll never be able to understand what it was like for you to become man or die on the cross. However, we have experienced the amazing abundance of riches in your grace and forgiveness and love because of that. And God, right now we remember that. Remember what you have given up for us. And I pray that as we remember you, we'll we'll recommit in our own hearts to respond out of gratitude and in generosity back to you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.